I used to say that, um, you know, that fear's greatest enemy was action. I just do something, right? Just to move out of that. But I shifted this last year with everything that went down with every everything and everybody to a place of saying fear's greatest enemy is love. Welcome to Gleanings, where we explore holistic approaches to reaching your true potential, mind, body, and soul. Hi, June. Welcome to the Gleanings podcast. Hi, Tara. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to meet you. Yes, I'm so glad our paths have crossed. Me too. So you are in the coaching field and your approach is a little different than traditional life coaching. And I would love for you to just kind of give us um, some groundwork on like what you do. So I am the owner and founder of Extraordinary You and uh, a, a incredible group that I started a couple of years ago called the Extraordinary uh, the Extraordinary Women's League. And um, one is a, a, v, a, a private coaching practice where I see VIP clients and um, oftentimes they're, they're women. I think it's sort of gone hand in hand. It hasn't always been women. I used to do men. <laughs> I used to do couples. Uh, but I really found that the, the working with women was really where my heart was at. I really felt like there was this place where uh, we needed more support. And I came from the therapeutic world, trained as a therapist, and then sort of moved over into the coaching world and then into women in leadership. And um, so there's a lot of crossover between those three modalities. Excellent. Are there specific areas that you discuss and you focus on? Are you into health or life coaching or so or trauma? I think, I think that one of the things that when I was working as a therapist, a lot of the work I did was sort of bringing people to the middle, you know, sort of like pulling, kind of pulling people up and kind of getting them in the middle. And the thing I like about um, the coaching world is I'm sorry, I just got a call coming in, even though I asked not to have a call coming in. Um, the thing I like about the coaching world is we're working with people like you and me, sort of in the middle, right? The messy middle. Um, and oftentimes I'm working with sometimes very successful women that have found a place um, where they're stuck. They're not always successful, you know, like success in, success in the way that um, the world may see success, although oftentimes they are. Um, but just in women in general that happen to be stuck um, and they're looking for a different kind of life, maybe an, an extraordinary life. I actually wrote a book. It's called, It's an Extraordinary Life. Don't miss it. And I wrote that book with, at the time with one of my clients who was a male when I was working back with men. And um, he had stage four lung cancer. Actually, that's not true. He had stage three lung cancer, I stand corrected. And he was looking at trying to find his purpose while managing uh, this incredibly difficult diagnosis. So um, 
anyway, so, so a lot of the work that I do is around transition or transformational work. So, and, you know, I also asked another, another client of mine, what is it that I do for you? And I was sort of trying, I was very wordy, trying to, trying to figure this out <laughs> a little bit too wordy. And she said, you know, what you do for me is that you help me get unstuck without becoming unglued. And I thought, oh gosh, that feels so right. You know, that just, that feels so right because I want to be able to push, right? Really push and really set goals and be able to um, align myself with my clients in a way where they feel really motivated and unstoppable. And I also want to be that soft place to fall, sort of that therapeutic place too, where um, I deeply understand, you know, that, that, it, that it's not always easy. And that often it's like in the darkest places that we, we start to be able to develop um, a way out, you know, like to find our way out and to be able to like, I, I also use the, the butterfly a lot with my clients in terms of that transformational process of like, you know, sometimes it gets kind of messy before the caterpillar becomes the, the butterfly. And um and so I've had a, a, a lot of success, a lot of success. I think that my combination of my training and just who I am as a human um, and a lot of these techniques that I've developed along the way, because I've worked with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people for, I've been doing this for a very long time. And, um, and it's a really exciting thing to be able to mature into a career where you start to feel really confident because I wasn't always so darn confident. And a lot of the women that I work with, even though they may be very successful in areas of their life, also have that place where they, they lost their way or there's just certain places where they just don't have that confidence. And so we talk about when you don't have the confidence, how can you find the courage, right? How do you find the courage okay. to be able, to, even when the confidence doesn't exist? Right. And then you take the step and then the next step and the next step. And before you know it, you start to be able to develop that confidence. And also strategy is important. And I think it's helpful when you have someone that is skilled to, and has real tactical tools like mastering the ask and the art of listening. These are two big ones that I've seen game changers for women that I work with is to teach them how to really listen first to their internal guide, right? Like what's really happening underneath all that intense chatter, um, how to be able to pop above that, to be able to find the clarity to them, to be able to, to ask what, what is it that you really want? And I'm, I'm continually surprised at how many people I, well, maybe not so continually surprised anymore. Now it's just a given, but this mastering the ask, this piece of mastering the ask, where one, you give your, yourself permission to enroll yourself in yourself, right? Mm -hmm. That place of where like, wait a second, like I matter, right? Right, and I, and I don't have to wait because there's this whole waiting BS game that we play in our heads too, right? right. I'm gonna wait till I'm the right weight. I'm gonna wait till I have the right education. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait till the kids are grown. I'm gonna wait till I'm out of my job. I'm gonna like, and then I can do this. Right. And that is just a barrier that if we can't get to the other side of, we, we just stay stuck. So that place of mastering the ask with ourselves, and then how we master the ask with the world, because, because some of the 
very biggest breakthroughs that my extraordinary women clients have is around this piece that they don't ask for help. They don't ask for help. And, and they don't ask for a raise and they don't ask for the job they want and they don't ask for the man they want or the house they want or the vacation they want or anything they want. And so, but they want the world to often be mind readers. <laughs> so, there's, <laughs> so there's that place, right? There's that little weird place that lives inside of that, which is feeling victimized sometimes instead of the victor because they're not getting what they want, but they haven't ever even asked for what they want. So, and I'm not saying that, yeah. So that, so these are some of these tools that are often like sort of these little golden threads that a lot of people feel that I work with. Um, and I've had, again, just enormous success in being able to help um, get inside that head with all that <laughs> noise and restructure what goes on there to be able to tee things up in a way where they start to feel just so much more success, so much more belief in themselves and being able to sort of step in to that confidence and sort of step up to take action and live their life the way that feels so much more aligned with um, their authenticity and their dreams and their hopes. So I think Unstuck Without Becoming Unglued is your next book title. Well, I have it. You can't see it, but I have it up behind me on that side right there. It says Extraordinary You and it's help, it says Helping You Get Unstuck Without Becoming Unglued. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of what I'm hearing you talk about is what is a popular term now is imposter syndrome. Mm, and yeah. how do you see that playing into the not asking? Uh, the imposter syndrome and the not asking. Oh, I guess if that's, you know, I guess if we just kind of dig down deep and we kept going deeper and deeper with all that sphere-based thinking. Right. So that's just, that's just fear. Um, and, you know, the, it, you know, so I think that, um, I think that it's, it's when, when we can get inside there and start to kind of uh, flip that on its head, we can start to see that, that staying small or playing small or playing that game with yourself about being an imposter is really what is just much deeper than that you know it's really just this other place of um fear right just like what would people what do people really think of me or what do i think of myself could i you know can i really do that you know who am i people will say who am i to think that i could do that um, of course, Marianne Williamson would say, who, who are you not to, you know, who, who are you not to do that? Um, and I, I really feel like now Tara is the time. And I also feel like the work that I do in group work with the Extraordinary Women's League, which is a group that I run. And I'd love for anybody that's listening that would like to know a little bit more about that to reach out to me. It's an amazing group of women. Um, I ha we have a big Facebook group that you can hop into for free, the Extraordinary Women's League. Um, and then we do uh, group, group programming together. And I think there's something super powerful about that in terms of what you just, you say, the, uh, the imposter syndrome. Because when you're in a group of kick-ass rock star women that are all doing growth work, there is something uh, contagious, <laughs> contagious about, about what happens in the room. 
And I think that it kind of lifts that limiting belief, you know, why, you know, who am I to think or, or the, or that I have to have it all figured out that I have to have it all figured out in order to hop in the ring. Right. Like, I think that, you know, like, it's okay. Like that's one of the things that has been some of my biggest growth is like, I don't have it all figured out, <laughs> you know, and you're willing to be, you know, to kind of be advanced enough in your place where you're like, you know what, I, I fail. Like, I don't have it all figured out. But what, I, what I'm finding is that the people that act like they do have it all figured out, they really don't have it figured out. So there's room, there's, there's room at the table, right? There's room at the yeah. table. There, there is, but we have to master the ask. Yeah. I took a peek at your group on Facebook last night and oh. it looks fun and inspiring. Oh gosh. I love them. I love these women inside this group. And we, I don't know if you had an opportunity to scroll down and look at our live events. No, we just, didn't. oh my goodness. Our live events have just been amazing. And so what I like to say, what makes me stand out a little bit from other coaches is that one of the things I think I provide this group when they know it resonates with them is the skilled coaching, but also cooking and cocktails and community. So we have to do this super, super deep work. And we also just have to have a shitload of fun <laughs> like yeah. we just have to we have to have this fun um that, that's what that, I liked that, about what I was seeing because it seems like sometimes you know we go to therapy and we're crying and it's so serious and kind of almost a downer that it was so nice to see that you're lifting people up at the same time that you're helping them yeah I just like that that sweet spot for me is everything I, I why because I need that right because the work the work is so good but we also get to cry we get to laugh and cry you know we get to do all of that 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 and that I think that's where we have the it just feels more authentic there and more sustainable there and more connected there and um they, they're making great leaps and so I'm working on a program that's going to kick off a six month program for the Extraordinary Women's League that will kick off in July. Uh, um, and I currently have a three month program that people can contact me about as well. Um, and the, the three month current program is a little bit more VIP one on one with some little group with some group parts. Okay. But the six month program that will be launching um, in July is um, just amazing things I'm doing with that program where things will be delivered to their houses, like these amazing chocolate chip cookies, you know, and like different kinds of things along with like hard ass coaching. Wow, that <laughs> so it's going to be, it's going to be great. Now, and, and we had had like a, a group program that was scheduled to go to Greece and that was supposed to happen last September. And of course the pandemic hit and um and that trip got canceled so the extraordinary women's league has a huge life um an adventurous soul and some deep connected work and the growth though that's the exciting part is that you know is that when you hear the women talk about what really happens when now this is also a term that's out there a lot but i can't find a better way to say it than like what happens to us when we really are willing to lift those limiting beliefs? Like when we're really willing to give up our old stuff and lift those limiting beliefs, um, 
and dream bigger. You know, they all sort of sound like little catchphrases, but the truth is when they really, really think about it, we are stuck in that place of these limiting beliefs. And when we can lift that up and start to be able to then take steps towards what it is that we we really, really want, how do we create that? I used to say that, um, you know, that fear's greatest enemy was action. I just do something, right? Just to move out of that. But I shifted this last year with everything that went down with every everything and everybody to a place of saying fear's greatest enemy is love. Okay. Greatest enemy is love. And that's also self-love, mm-hmm. right? And um, that we have to start there. And, and we can't do it alone. Like we cannot do that. one thing for sure. We cannot do this alone. It's been a huge, huge thing for me to have to get to the other side of two. I've right. Been reading, Is the, I've been reading Gabby Bernstein's judgment detox book. Mm. And she talks a lot about that, that a lot of the judgment is a kind of a protective barrier and that it's uh, detaching ourselves from love. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's complicated, right? This isn't easy stuff. This is complicated. And so we have to honor it in that way that, that it's deep. And, and there's, you know, some people have experienced enormous trauma, right? And we can't, we have to address it as, as, as such. We can't skip over that. And also make sure that people have the right support for that. You know, I do worry sometimes out there in the world of, you know, that, that you know, I, one of my dear friends is a, a trauma coach and she highly trained and like unbelievable she's just she just does remarkable work but i think you have to be in the right hands um so yeah so i you know i i um you can see i have a lot of passion for this mission of mine right i'm just like oh and so do you that's what i liked about you and your our little correspondence back and forth tara because i'm like oh gosh she she feels the same way like deep in our hearts we want to help women rise right yes absolutely i was listening on the way home about on a podcast and they were talking a lot about the growth mindset like you're talking about and how um sadly it's kind of a new thing and some people are kind of like "Ooh, what's this you know like woo thing that people are talking about and it's especially for women and that it's unfortunate that this hasn't come about sooner yeah yeah my mom I mean you know my mom tried she was on picket lines you know for women you know women's rights and it's just taken it's just, it's not over. It's not over yet. And there's been, but we have to, there's, there is progress and, you know, it's really important. One of the things I really like in terms of what's been happening for women um, that I've noticed over the last number of years is this, um, this opening, this expansive thinking that there's not just one seat at the table. Like it doesn't need to, we don't have to have that sort of competitiveness that we can, that there's more power in community. There's more power in us helping to raise each other up. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, the, to, 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 to go arm in arm. To, when you get an invite, invite another woman with you to that elevated experience. You know, that's really, we're going to really get some real traction that way. 
and I, and it feels so darn good. I've met the most amazing women in, in leadership positions and we are working hard to make sure that all women, whether even if it's just internal leadership in their own head or in their own family or in their own um, job, even if the dream is, you know, whatever that dream is for them, that they, they are able to show up in a place where they feel just really empowered. They feel they feel their value. That's the thing is to feel their value. I think a lot of times we, as, as women, we just feel it's like such a thankless job <laughs> between kids and work. And like, there's so much, it's so hard. And I think okay. really understanding value um, is so important. So you mentioned yeah. you have a live event coming up and, or that you do live events. And obviously I'll link to everything in our show notes. Thank you. Um, in terms of live, obviously that's a different term now than it, it was, is. you know, a year it ago. Is. It so is. Did you, prior to 2020's scenarios, do uh, more in-person events or, because I did see some pictures of dining room tables and mm -hmm. um, speaking at places. Yeah. Yeah. So everything changed, you know, not only, you know, for everybody, like every single thing changed. So I would, I would do corporate work too, or go out and work with teams oh, and groups nice. um, and speak, which I love, obviously, <laughs> obviously love to do. This is about as close as we're going to get right now. Um, and then um, my extraordinary women's league would meet uh, for live events every other Friday night. And there again, cooking and cocktails and speakers and um, just dancing and just like really fabulous growth work. Um, and then I also have an office where I would see clients face to face. So yeah, so all of that all came to a complete halt. And where are you located? So I'm, I'm right outside of Philadelphia in South Jersey in a place called uh, Collingswood, New Jersey. We recently moved. I used to live in Haddonfield, New Jersey. We just moved six minutes from there. Um, and this is my new office, super excited about, even though I, my, my other office was like three times the size. I still, I just love it here. So I'm happy. Um, but yeah, so we- The East Coast excuse me. got shut down first, huh? We really did. And um, yeah, it was, it's been, it's- how did that impact things and create change for you? So, um, so we got hit pretty hard. Um, my husband, who was, he spent the last 10 or so years, it would be crazy just to, to sort of not mention that he had been working in medical device field as a in management for, for many, many years. But before that, he used to be uh, run emergency rooms as a nurse manager and he had been working for a company um that was had a lot of um uh, changes had been bought by another company and he went to work temporarily what we thought was sort of temporarily until our lives the rug got pulled out from under us as a nursing supervisor inside of i'm going to give you a, like a you know like a little drum roll here a nursing home oh. just before the pandemic hit oh my Okay. So, um, as he was so, we heard everything that was going on in New York and, you know, I'm looking at him on the couch, like, are you sure you want to, and he's like, look, I, you know, I'm, I have to do what I, you know, I need to do. And he also felt like he was, 
trying to make an impact because he was really trying to help people. Like they were they initially the, the PPE wasn't available and he was trying to get the management to kind of be more aware of what was happening, trying to get the nurses to wear the masks. I mean, it was really, really not great and great. And he was it's gotta being, be hard. As, it's gotta be hard for medical professionals at the beginning of this when they're so used to already being exposed to so many germs to kind of maybe downplay it a little bit even. Well, he was just so serious. I mean, he was having those serious conversations with people about you know what was going on. And of course, no one knew exactly what was going on at the very beginning here, um, but he knew enough to know uh, to try to keep people safe and, and masked and um, gloved and like he would like everything. And so he would come home and go into the garage. He would strip at night when he would come back from work, strip down to his underwear, go through the house in his underwear all the way into the shower, take a shower like before he would ever like even anything. Okay. Well, my poor beautiful husband ended up getting sick with COVID um, and like almost lost his life, like almost lost his life. And he was in ICU at our amazing hospital called Cooper Hospital um, for, um, well, he was on life support for, for three months and excuse me. And then when he, and then, and, and it was, um, they put him on what is called an ECMO machine, which is even beyond a ventilator. I'm not sure if you're familiar with an ECMO machine, but it's I'm not. It's what it's what happens when the ventilator, when there's literally nowhere else to go. So, yeah. So it it, it was quite a ride. Um, we really, you know, we're he's a miracle. And it's really a testament to what we call John's love army. My husband's John, Jonathan, and uh, what community can do because we li- we we all know who is all involved, including the doctors and our you know our neighbors, our dear dear friends. We we worked very very hard, and I don't I don't. It, it, there's so much detail in terms of like all the things that came together to form this basically miracle. It's a miracle that he is here. Um, and when he woke up, you know, when he, he had to learn everything again. So he had to, because he had been trached and he had been basically put in a, a, uh, a coma a medical induced coma in order to sustain, in order to be able to work with the machines, you know, they need you out. So he hadn't moved, you know, they move you. He, so he had been in this state for, um, like over two months. And when he finally, uh, he had a big tip piece of his lung taken out. I mean, it was, it was just a brutal Tara, like nightmare. It was, and it was very touch and go. Um, like every day was another battle. So I learned a lot. And I remember saying to my clients at the time, like, I got to pull way back and I'm, I'm going to tell you, like, no, I would, no one will ever want to have to live through this. Um, and I, and I know that when I, when we re-engage, I will have a lot more, um, material, (laughs) life material to have to draw from because it was just, it was excruciating. And because I, because we weren't the only, it kind of threw you into, um, having to utilize all the tools you're teaching people. It, It really did. Well, thank you so much for saying that. It really, really did. And I, um, and I think that our community recognized that, you know, I, I think that 
that we made a decision. I made a I made a decision that we are going to go through this um, and, and only in a positive outcome. And I just let everyone know that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. And they all did it. <laughs> like it, 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 we just all got in that lane, that place where it's like, this is the way we're going to do it. And that's the way it was done with every conversation with every doctor, every friend, every you know neighbor, every, anybody just like, this is where we're going to be at. And I do think not everybody believes that in this kind of thing, but um, I definitely think um, had we not all come together in that way, I don't, and an ECMO machine and an ECMO machine because not every hospital has it. Um, we wouldn't, you know, we would be having a really different conversation right now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's been quite a year. It definitely impacted my, my um, business, but I also think that um, it impacted everything in, in that there's a lot, there's some, whoops, there goes my phone there. Can you see me? Okay. There we go. Um, that that the ultimate, you know, that there is some, there, there's a lot of positive that came out of just the really, really, really difficult time. And I also think that one of the things I do want to say is that, you know, I was not alone. I was not alone in the way that we all went through this pandemic. We all have losses and some were not as great as what we had experienced, but the whole world, you know, my daughter graduated from college, like my husband was in a hospital, you know, and, and no one had a graduation. So, you know, in the, in the small businesses that, have, that were um, shut down and, you know, the loss of the losses, yeah. the losses that people, so my heart goes out to everybody um, on whatever their individual losses are. And, um, and I, I think that we've, I think we have as a, as a, as as a community of people learned a lot. Um, I know it will, I know it, it won't define me. As I said to my husband, it's not gonna define us, but it, it will definitely shape the way that we kind of, you know, my gratitude, Tara, my gratitude is, I've always been very grateful, but my gratitude is just, you know, intense. Sure, there's a lot of things that, probably feel a little bit more trivial now than they used to. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. So how does, obviously that impacted you tremendously on a personal level. How did um, your, your coaching and just your support and stuff, how did that shift because of 2020? Like before, obviously you did more live events and I'm not sure if you're back to those yet or hopefully yeah. soon. No, live as an person. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, as people, more and more people get vaccinated, I'll, I will, and we get vaccinated, I'll then have people come to my, my office. Um, for now, I've just gotten really good at, like everybody, really <laughs> good at Zoom, other than my phone just yeah. fell. <laughs> um, um, and um, yes, and, and I love that sort of lifting that again, that place on a, on a personal and a professional level of what it will look like as we start to, you know, how I can start to work with smaller groups. I guess we'll have to see what happens as people get vaccinated. In the meantime, 
it's really exciting. I have to say some of this crazy thing, you know, the, the byproduct is I got to meet Tara. Tara, where, 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 yes. where do you live? I'm in Nevada. And you're in Nevada. Wow, and I'm like, I have, <laughs> is it right? So that's just so awesome. And I've been talking to people all, you know, all over the country. And I can say that a lot of those conversations have also been felt extremely intimate, right? Yes. More so, so than we have ever thought from um, this type of uh, interaction. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So there's a piece of that that I'm like, oh gosh, there's just a piece of that that I've always wanted in my business that I could reach more women all over, not only just this country, and I, but the world. And I have had clients um, that did travel the world and they worked with me. We could, I liked night coach too. So the time, <laughs> the time difference was okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm not at all going to give that up. I'm going to expand that. I really love that. I think that we've become more open to each other and that even through like this, it feels more intimate than probably it ever would have been if we hadn't all gone through that prior. Yeah. So what do you consider a successful coaching session? Oh, I love your question. I have to actually hold on to, I'm holding on just so you know, like I'm not behaving, is it? It's not, no. So I'm just, I'm adjusting, right? We just cut and paste and adjust. And it's all that, all we do all day long is just slay the next dragon, right? We right. just keep it going. Okay. So your question is a beautiful question. So how do I know when it feels like um, that there's, that there's a shift, a break, is that what you're saying? Like, how do you know? So mm -hmm. I think it, it would feel successful. Yeah. What would feel successful? So for me, what feels successful is um, you, you literally, you can feel the shift, right? So I can see, I can visibly see and hear and feel that there, this limiting belief, this place they were stuck has been lifted and that what felt excruciating starts to feel more like extraordinary. Mm, I love that. It, it, and you can feel it, you know, you can feel it and I can see it. And, um, you know, the other day I was at one of my clients, she, she, she's in Ohio and I've been working with her for many, for a long, long time, but that shift, I'm just giving you an example that shift. I'm like, I was literally on the edge of my seat and in tears because she didn't even say anything. I just knew like, oh my God, like she made it through that really intense limiting belief that she had about herself. And that was about finding love, right? Like, you know, we've worked on lots of things as they come up in terms of transitions. She's gone, she's, she's truly extraordinary, but this was this last piece, right? This is <laughs> last piece. And I was like, oh my God, it was just like, it was so exciting. So you can feel it, yeah. right? You can feel it. Okay. So, yeah. That, you know, there's, there's that, that willingness to go to trust, to trust. And then, and then they, they start to try stuff out like, and, and, and try out new behavior. And then guess what? Like the results 
start to, they get, the, the results are different. So I'm always telling them, look for the patterns and things, look for the patterns and things. So this is where we're always getting stuck. Let's see if we do this a little differently, how it shows up a little differently. And it always does. Mm. And then they, and then they're like, wow, this works, this works. And then you can just feel it. And, and then of course, nothing brings me more joy. Nothing, nothing, nothing brings me more joy than, than uh, when my clients, they, they, they make these breakthroughs and they do, they, they all do. And I, I'm tickled pink about the whole darn thing. <laughs> It's interesting. I hear a lot of parallels to um, the autism community so as a teacher mm. and how sometimes we learn a skill in one place or in one scenario, mm. and then we have to relearn it in another scenario. And sometimes we, we have to kind of, um, maybe it's even the imposter syndrome, like maybe I can handle it like this, you know, mm. but then seeing how um, oh, well, I stood up for myself in this scenario and hey, it's okay, you know? And so then looking yeah. at, oh, well, then what about at work? Like, can I stand up myself there and what would happen then? And just kind of, and we call it generalization. And mm -hmm. so it's just interesting that there's that parallel there. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. Like they're developed, they're creating a new history, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what's the best advice that you've ever received? Gosh, you asked such good questions. Um, the best advice I've ever received. Well, there, there's a couple, but I think that, um, I think one thing that, that I've been using for years that, get, that got stuck in my head, that's been extremely helpful. I don't know if it was advice, but um, I love Jack Canfield, the chicken soup for the soul guy, wrote a book called yes. The Success Principles. Oh. Now, not that he was so brilliant, but what he was brilliant enough to know to take the most brilliant people and kind of put all their work together, you know, compiled in this one book. And one of the things that I love that he had, that he had said that someone else had said was to be... Um, to that that oftentimes in our heads we we think that things are working against us right we kind of are starting from this place of default of that things are working against us and one of the things he said is he someone had told him this little mantra that got stuck in his head which is instead of the world is out to get you that the world is out to do you good not harm the world is out to do you good, not harm. And for some reason, that little saying got stuck in my head. And when I get stuck personally, you know, and that could happen just all the time, right? <laughs> just like all the time, Definitely. you have to kind of keep relearning <laughs> things. I often play the world is out to do you good, not harm. The world is out to do you good, not harm. And what that does is that gives me that little like Mel Robbins says that with the five second rule, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh, Mel Robbins. I just joined um, the Believe It group with Jamie Kern Lima. Yes. And she yes. has a full day and yes. Mel Robbins is one of her speakers. Yes. So the five second rule, um, I love the five second rule and it gives, it's the same sort of idea that if you can replace that negative thought with something, your mantra or something, or, or like this too shall end. You know, someone that's another one that like, you know, this, this, this too shall end. 
Um, that's another great piece of advice that somebody once said. Sometimes it's the simplest things, right? Because it feels so darn hard. And when someone says, you know, she was an older woman who had said that to me when I was just like thinking, oh my God, it just feels, it, it, it gave me perspective, right? This too shall end. So simple. But it's true, like we all know as we as we get older, like, you know, that we do get through these things and it is through the darkness that we find the light and without the darkness, we wouldn't have found the light. So, um, so it's sometimes I think making things a little simpler instead of so complicated can be super helpful. What do you find, speaking of complicated, the most challenging part of your career? time. <laughs> I would say the most challenging thing of my career uh, would just be time because um, I really do like to pour into people as they say, you know, I mean, it's sometimes ridiculous, but like, so I would say um, in order to hold my community, in order to, to be able to fully serve my clients, um, I just, I always wish there was just more time in the day, um, uh, you know, just because again, it, it is a high for me to like, it is, it is my greatest honor to be able to work with my clients. And so I, I just, I just wish there was more time. That's all. Oh, that's touching. Do you have a favorite technique or process that you like to use? favorite technique or process? Um, well, I, I gave you some of them, you know, some of these, um, I, these, you know, the mastering, the ask and the art of listening. One of the things I love to do um, is to start to teach people to set the intention. Again, this is a simple thing, but if we start to do it all the time, um, we really are able to kind of get in and out of situations um, getting much closer to what it is that we really want because we've made some clarity around it before we've even started. You know, it comes up a lot during Thanksgiving <laughs> or when people have to like interact or, or with people that, you know, where there's challenging relationships. Right, people that might um, be but that could triggering. be triggering. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? People that might be a little more triggering for you. Yeah, or anything that's triggering for you or anything you're wrestling with or anything. So every time people, um, you know, oftentimes when I'm working with my private clients, we'll set the intention for the call. Um, oftentimes, well, every time when we come together as a group, I literally make the entire group of, you know, extraordinary women write what their intention is for the evening. Um, Every time I go out and present, I ask the group to write right on their name tag. What is your intention? What is it you hope okay. to get out of it? Okay. Because and one of the things I really like about it is that it gives you an opportunity to try that on. And um, in a way that you're now taking responsibility for your life. Right. So if, if you go to a workshop of mine and you and you want to get something out of it, and you don't know, you don't are clear with that in terms of with either me, the presenter or the person sitting next to you or the, the person you came with or yourself. And then you leave that workshop and you're like, ah, well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and this didn't get answered. Like, well, if you make it a point 
Like that you set the intention that I'm going to find this out. Like maybe there's just one thing I want to know mm-hmm. and you make it a point that I'm not going to leave here until that gets satisfied. And you use that technique of, of uh, setting the intention. And, it, and sometimes it might be, it might be simple again, to learn something new, uh, to have a laugh. Sometimes I'll set the intention, you know, I'm going to find something to literally laugh about today just because I want to get to the end of the day, um, you know, having, having had some release of laughter. And when my husband was ill, I remember getting to the end of a day and sometimes be like, oh gosh, I, you know, I, I set an intention or I, or I didn't set an intention. It was so messy emotionally. Um, and I would ask myself, what did you, what did you accomplish today? And on, the, on those days, we have to just acknowledge, I just got through the day, like literally just, I just got through the day. But that technique of setting the intention, very simple, can bring real results. So what would setting the intention, intention look like, say for that example of um, a family gathering at Thanksgiving or Christmas? So, um, so the question I would ask you is, um, let's say you're going to Thanksgiving and there's some that it generally doesn't go that well for you. Generally, somebody's buttons get pushed and it's sort of things get um, heated or some, you get baited, right? You get baited by somebody, right? right? Yep. And so, so maybe you would set the intention for, you know what, I'm on my, I want to set the intention that I will feel um some, some, I'll have some fun or some joy, or I'll make a fam, I'll make a connection with someone I really love to see once a year. And I'm not going to get, um, I'm not going to get swept away in the, I'm not going to walk out feeling badly. My intention is I'm going to walk out feeling like I'm, I don't have to then go take a week off vacation to get it back together again. <laughs> and so one of the things we might work on is we get, we would spend a little time getting a little bit clearer on that. Like, what is, what do you want to feel like? What do you want to feel like? And then how do we protect that? Like, how do we create that armor around that where you're still open, right? To get, to get to that yummy stuff, but also how can I, how can you get in and out? How can you get in and out with um, still being intact? And we might talk a lot about what baits you. And how you can avoid taking the bait, right? Because it's in the, it's in the, in that, and that we have, we can, we have to look at what's in and out of our control. And we also have to look at these, this, this is a big one is do, is, do I react or do I respond to the bait, right? Because when you get baited, we tend to be reactive, right? But if we can learn to respond, like we're checking in with ourselves, we can respond by not even responding, right? So some of that response may be like, you know, Uncle Joe is always baiting me about my politics, right? Or always baiting me about, you know, you know, or saying something that's inappropriate about my religion or something or something I, I deeply believe in. And then you get to the, where we get to workshop that about your intention, you know, how do you walk through that so that you don't get baited and then you, you can walk out meeting your intention, even if it means you're sort of playing a game with yourself, <laughs> yes. right? right? So that you walk out, you walk out and you're like, oh my gosh, 
I just did such a great job, right? I got in, I got out, I met my intention. I still came to Thanksgiving and I don't feel so beaten down. Like I don't feel like I just got the you shit feel, kicked out of me, yeah, you right? Don't victimized. Exactly. Yeah. And you don't have to be, you could be the victor in that situation just by, just by learning to not take the bait, setting the intention, learning to re- respond and not react. You know, those are some tools. That's amazing. I love it. Is there anything else that you wanted to address today? No, I'd love to. What I'd love to do, if you feel comfortable, is I'd love to invite people again to my Extraordinary Women's League Facebook group. I'd love to invite people to, um, to go um, on to my website and also to contact me. So Extraordinary You is the name of my business, and that's the name of my uh, and the why in extraordinary is shared with the why in you, extraordinary you only one why.com. And then um, I'm going to also just give you my cell phone number. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you why. Because when those doctors in the hospital and my husband was in, in just such critical care, they gave me, I'm not a critical care doctor, but I'm telling you, there was something about this, uh, this exchange where someone felt like I'm going to give you my cell phone number. And if you need it, call me. Wow. And I want to be that open because um, I, I am on a mission to help women rise. I, this is really important work to me. And if this speaks to you, like if anything I'm saying speaks to any of your audience, anybody out there, I'd love for them to text me, to call me and we can see if I can help them. I believe I can help them. So if if it feels like a fit, I'd love to do that. So are you comfortable with that? Absolutely. I will include all of that in our show notes so that they don't write it down wrong or anything of that sort for sure. Yay. Thank you so much. Post on uh, my Instagram page as well and link out your information. Oh, Tara, thank you so much. It means everything. It really does. I really, really appreciate it. I know it's not easy (laughs) setting these things up, you know, and taking the time and highlighting other women. So I super appreciate it. So my cell number, we're all in this together, right? (laughs) We are all in it together. We are. And and it makes a big difference. So, so my cell number is 856-261-1963. And thank you, Tara, for, you know, putting it in the, in the, you know, the links. And I really, really appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you this evening. It's been great talking to you and I wish you luck. I, I know that our paths will continue to cross and I, I I'm so excited about everything that you're doing. Thank you. I'm so excited about yours as well. I know what I'm doing tonight is I'm jumping in your Facebook group. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> well, <Awesome>. welcome. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Have a great evening. Bye, Tara. Thank Bye. you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah.